Mbawale. For the win. Good! wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Pino gets the crossing. He's towards one man. championship medal she is the greatest of all time you just can't say it enough wow women singles champion serena williams Boom large williams into bird in the corner you bet she's done it again sue bird you're listening to all in a woman's sports podcast on wfuv sports Welcome in, everybody, to this week's edition of All In, WFUV's Women's Sports Podcast. It's been a minute since we've had an episode of All In. Spring break last week, really, really great time, but I'm happy to be back. And especially right now, we are in the thick of Women's March Madness. And it has been it has been really fun to watch. It's been really cool. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into the a few of the games that have happened, definitely the upsets. And then we're going to move on to... What we think is going to happen in the Sweet 16 now that that is set. And then we're going to discuss some some Naismith finals, who we think is going to win, discuss each of those players, and then wrap it up, of course, with Fordham women's basketball, whose season actually did just completely conclude for sure this time. I know we talked about it before, like maybe it's over, maybe it's not. Definitely over now. So we're going to talk about that, their WNIT game against Columbia. But before we get into any of that, Taylor, Lou, how are you guys doing? How's your spring break? Well, I'm feeling quite refreshed after spring break. I spent like about five days down in Nashville, and it was so much fun. I was my able homeland. To, yeah, literally your favorite town in Tennessee. No, I, this is a recurring thing now on All In. I do. I'm not pretty sure like we got this. into a debate last time we were yeah, on the show I, I about just, it. I don't like Nashville. It's just not as good as Memphis. Well, but I I'm love Nashville. Happy you had a good time. I was able to go and see one of the SEC men's games. It was just really, really fun down Who did there. You see? I saw Tennessee versus Ole Miss, Ooh. and we're gonna be talking about Ole Miss today. So exactly. I was getting a little, <laughs> getting ready for these this women's madness. But yeah, it's been a really good break. I've got a couple of mid terms due at the end of this week so that's kind of stressing me out but you know I've been like kind of just filling up my my free time with basketball and I'm really excited to dive right into it midterms after spring break should be a crime against humanity like that is crazy I had an assignment due in the middle of spring break because of the purpose of having so many midterms is like you really grind it out you have a lot of midterms and then you celebrate with spring break to have to, to have spring break and then come back and have more midterms is ridiculous. But See, I can't even get mad at this professor because I have two assignments this entire semester oh. and this is one of them. So <laughs> okay. Okay. I can't even I can't even complain. Valid. Lou, how I is have your... n- I have not done a lick of work this week. <laughs> I've continued to not do any work this week. It's awesome. Uh back on all in, so words out. I love women, right? So that's Yes. Get spread the <laughs> yes. word, guys. This is this is a fact. Happy to be on. Happy to have you. Happy to have you, Taylor. Uh happy to be here myself. But let's get right into it the first couple rounds of the ncaa women's tournament have happened the round of 64 then the round of 32 but we're going to talk a lot about last week's games we're going to start let's see which one should we start with let's just start with the one that was like most notable and that's old miss taking down one seated stanford old miss won the game 55 to 49 and it was like it was so much fun to watch and I feel like the score doesn't really do it enough justice of how close it was. Like, you see a five-point game, and you're like, okay, like, that wasn't, like, a nail-biter till the very end. But it definitely was. Uh, the the points that were scored that made it five points both happened, like, at the very, like, literally the last few seconds. And they were both because of turnovers, very uncharacteristically 
uh, bad offense by Stanford down the stretch, and especially with a team that has been there before, because usually you see these mistakes from from someone like Ole Miss or a team that doesn't make the tournament very often. You know, the big moments sometimes gets to teams, but in this one it was, you know, it was a Stanford team that's been here, done that, and just showed lack of poise. So I want to hear from Taylor first, you know, what were your your first takeaways from this just very surprising score? Well, Julia, first off, I want to thank you for texting me. (laughs) And telling me, put on the Ole Miss Stanford game. Because I was literally, I was like getting ready for bed. I didn't even right. realize it was on. I got a text from her. She's like, this is insane. I turn it on. And it was like the most electric, like, 10 minutes of, like, final play I had ever seen. And, oh, my God. I can't help but just feel really bad for Stanford. Like, they've just kind of had a rough outing, like, at the end of this, like, season. Just, like, getting out early in Pac-12 conference, like, the conference tournament. And now this. I heard that there was a stomach bug going through the team. Like, Cam Brink was apparently on an IV just days before this game. She missed a round of 64 matchup. Yeah, so the fact that she still led the team with 20 points, 13 rebounds, and 7 blocks is Mm -hmm. saying a lot about her talent, but... Yeah, I don't I really I don't want to say Stanford like crashed and burned like they kept it close till the very end, but this is just definitely not a finish that this team was supposed to have. But Ole Miss, man, I can't help but be like so happy for this team. It's their first trip to the Sweet 16 since 2007, and it's just an incredible turnaround for this program. They went winless in SEC play like 3 seasons ago. Jeez. And now they're on their way to like who knows, potentially NCAA title. So Huge win for them, and with this win, Stanford becomes the the first number one seed to not make the Sweet 16 since 2009, which is a trend we're going to be seeing this this tournament because we had another number one fall like a day after. Yeah, I think, first off, you're so impressed with Ole Miss's defense, especially against this Stanford offense. I do think, you know, Stanford kind of dug their own grade. You have Haley Jones with five turnovers. They had 21 on the game, but I think this is one of the trends you're seeing is that when you get these March Madness games and they start to get ugly, they start to get chaotic, a lot of times that benefits the lower seed. And so I think Ole Miss was kind of able to come in, muck up that game, wasn't a pretty game. And that's when when you kind of get it into that zone, that's when you start to see those upsets happen. And it's like, especially in the women's bracket where it is, a lot of times the one seeds are able to dominate because there is a gap between who the powerhouses mm-hmm. in the league are. To see the one seed fall to an eight, I mean, that's pretty monumental. No, yeah, and speaking of the Haley Jones turnovers, there was, like, one crazy one at the end of the game. Like, it, like, slips out of her hand. There's, like, two Ole Miss players, like, right nigh her. And, like, the refs were looking, looking, looking at it because you just could not yeah. tell if it touched the Ole Miss girl's leg to give the um, possession back to Stanford. Mm. Like, from one angle, it looked like it clearly brushed it, but from, like, a bigger one, it just didn't hit her at all. Yeah. They ended up giving the ball to Ole Miss, but it was, like, I was on the edge of my seat because it was, like, I think I'm pretty sure it was like the last like couple seconds and it, it was, was like yeah. it was the game decider and uh it was one of those things where it was like no one knew so obviously you can't overturn a call where it's like yeah maybe it did touch her like it from my perspective it looked like the trajectory of the ball changed at some point but it wasn't clear what caused it and I think when you have that you can't exactly be like oh I assume that it was probably her leg maybe it was the power of hottie toddy <laughs> oh my god <laughs> But looking at Stanford for the future, it's not, I mean, not all is lost. I mean, Haley Jones won't, uh, I'm assuming she won't be coming back. She's a, she's a senior, but of course with uh, the COVID uh, fifth year, she obviously has that option to take the fifth year. But I'm looking at WNBA projections right now, and she's projected to go fourth overall. So seems like she's heading to the WNBA. And that, you know, this is a conversation for, for another time, but I think it's really interesting the difference between, um, 
like when, when you look at Fordham women's basketball, it's like obvious, like it's almost definite that every player who can take their fifth year will take it. But when you get up to, you know, WNBA lottery picks, it's like it's it's cool to see that they want to invest in, you know, a professional career over uh, staying in college another year. I mean, it's very it's very comparable to how men's basketball works. And I think I think that's pretty cool. But uh, moving on here. Um, going now to the Miami and Indiana game because that was the other crazy, this was crazy insane. matchup. Miami was up by three with 50 seconds left. Season on the line, Yardone Garzon nails the triple to tie it up, and that's not all. Does it again? I mean, they, uh, oh. Miami ended up uh, hitting a three back, and then it was tied again. And then with six seconds left, she hits it again. And you're like, oh, my gosh, Indiana cannot be stopped. But then it was just like a series of like offensive buzzer beaters like over and over and over again. And eventually Miami did end up with the win. I'm calling it the curse of Caitlin Clark's buzzer beater because it just (laughs) seems like Indiana has been able to find like figure it out like since then. I mean, just another heartbreaking loss. And I think it's really just crazy watching both these number one seeds fall on their home courts. Like I was watching this game and I've never heard a crowd louder than Indiana during that Mm -hmm. one. So the fact that Miami came in, took down the number one seed and just was able to just like kind of block out all that noise was absolutely insane. But yeah, I just, I I always can't help the, but root for Indiana. Like I'm a big Sydney Parish fan and Mm -hmm. this loss also ends Grace Berger's career at Indiana. So it's just kind of like very bittersweet. But it's also really shocking to just not see these number one teams like making it in. I mean, we maybe we'll see a sleeper like pick win the win the title. Right. But I don't know, just a big bummer. But honestly, credit to Miami. Like Destiny Harden's like final like shot just sealed the deal for them. That was so I really didn't think they were gonna I thought the game was going to overtime and she just came in clutch for her team. So just just an incredible show out by Miami. And I'm pretty sure one of the Cavender twins had like the coldest ending to one of her foul <laughs> shots. She like looked up and she like shushed the crowd. It was like so sick. That is cool. That is sick. I, I think the other thing, like this is different from the Ole Miss Stanford game. You, you get dangerous when you go into hypotheticals. But if it's not for the third quarter where Indiana wins that by a pretty large margin, like this game's not close. Right. But Miami wins the first half and they win the fourth quarter. And I think, you know, you're so impressed when you look at Indiana where it's, they have a top scorer, Mackenzie Holmes. They also have scoring depth throughout their lineup. And for the most part, their scores played to their averages except for Sydney Parrish. But it just felt like Miami did such a job, great job defensively across the board and then got above and beyond offense from their players. That was, I think, a really big a statement win for Miami. I think you start to look at them in that bracket. And I think you have these conversations with two, not only two one seeds going down, but these are in Indiana and Stanford, two teams that were top five in the net where all of a sudden you look at those brackets and you feel like those two regions are wide open. Yeah, and this is a conversation I had uh, like a week ago with, I believe it was Chris Persianen and our sports director, Bobby Chaffardini, is they were making uh, very, very accurate historical remarks. Like in the women's tournament, you don't really see upsets. It's like a one seed has won the, the championship like the last like seven years. Uh, that might not be like completely right, but it's definitely more than five years. A one seed has won every single year. So to see the, and I think that's a lot attributed to kind of the gaps and uh, gaps in play quality we see. Like again, like with a one and a sixteen seed, I feel like that gap is a lot larger. And even when you get to like one and four and one and three in the women's game, but it's cool to see that that gap is closing and that you're not seeing like UConn like win it all every year. And you know, right now it seems like South Carolina is going to take it all, but now that we're seeing other upsets and other teams really step up to the plate, like 
it's not as given that South Carolina is just going to pummel their way to the end. But speaking of pummeling, we're going to get to Texas and Louisville. Number five, Louisville just destroys Texas 73 to 51. There's not really much to talk about in the game itself. What we're really going to talk about is the after the after the game, because 73 to 51. I mean, yeah, Louisville is better than Texas. That that was made very clear throughout the game. But after the game, uh, (laughs) they made some comments towards Haley Van Lith and she she handled it like a boss. And I know, Taylor, I'll let you comment because I know you had some very very strong remarks about this all this not necessarily an altercation but but this conversation that happened i'm living for the drama <laughs> i mean this is it's gone viral everywhere everyone's just trying to figure out what the players were saying to each other like i don't i don't no one could really figure out what the texas player was saying to um haley but then she haley responds she's like have fun in miami you're going home you're going home in spring break i think it's like it's like it's like fun to see like this kind of banter in the sport. It just goes to show how bo- how much both players like care about like this win and this loss and like it's oh man absolute craziness. I I was not expecting that like seeing that go like so viral. I had no right. idea it even happened. It's just all over Sports Center, all over ESPN. But hey, once again, it's bringing attention to the tournament. Exactly, and uh, looking towards like. The way she handled it, I have so much respect for, like, because if someone were to pull me after I just destroyed them in a game and then start talking trash, there's no telling what I would actually do in that situation. It's she just was, embarrassing. It's, just a, be it's a, an embarrassing. Just be a good sport. Like, especially if you'd, like, I, I'm wondering what's going. I don't remember which player said it, but whoever, the player that said it, I'm, like, wondering what's going through her head. Like, she just got destroyed, and then she's going to, like, pull the best player aside and like it seemed like when she first started talking and Haley thought she was going to say something nice because that's what you usually do, you know, after a game. But then it became very clear that that was not the, the tone of the message. I don't know what was going through her mind to be like, yeah, you know what I'm going to do right now? I'm going to I'm going to say something mean. Yeah, it was Sonia Morris on the Longhorns. Gotcha. And I'm pretty sure I saw a screenshot. I think she's a she's a transfer from SMU, mm-hmm. and apparently the last time she played Louisville, she like SMU like got blown out, and there's like a picture of her just like sobbing on the <laughs> sideline. So there's like bad blood. So there's yeah. there's obviously some harsh feelings towards te- um, Louisville on her part, mm-hmm. but woof. Like I mean, that was a it was a lot. Yeah, and then and moving towards just just one last thing about Texas, not to really just like stomp on Texas here, but me and you have a very similar opinion on on texas women's basketball and that is that they're overrated yes yes uh they overrated have, from the start i could not believe they were ranked number three in the preseason because if you look at their schedule they had two big wins this season against ranked teams and it was the same team they beat twice and you look at the rest of the season and it's like i don't see any wins that like jump off the page to me like they lost to uconn i mean they lost the games they were supposed to lose and and won the games they were supposed to win so i nothing i saw from them throughout the season was like yeah they're they're a contender and for the players to be Doing some extracurriculars is definitely interesting. Yeah, and their seat like they're pre like before conference play, their 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 season really like their game slate wasn't really that strong. Right. So and, and for a power five school like that, you'd think that it would be stronger. Yeah. And especially and a team that's ranked so high, you'd think it would be stronger. Yeah, it's just a lot of losses. Yeah, they lost to Louisville earlier in the season too. So like it's right. just not wasn't really that strong of a showing from that team. So I'm not really surprised it ended this way for them. Exactly. We're going to move on here to the... uh, More positive note. Yeah, more positive. (laughs) The predictions for the Sweet 16. Um, We're going to start with South Carolina and UCLA, one seed versus a four seed. Uh, Of course, one one seed South Carolina. You know, this is a team that is kind of the unanimous, like, okay, no one has beaten them. They're undefeated. 34, like 34 and zero, I'm pretty sure. Like, I mean, 
just a powerhouse. They they are, they are the Yukon of the last 10, 15 years. So are they are the current Yukon that they were. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um but yeah. I'm going to hop in and just be like once again, I have so much respect for Dawn Staley She's because She's so cool. Um number 1 seed taking on number 16 16 seed, usually it could be a blowout, oh but my gosh, Dawn yeah. Staley had so much respect for Norfolk State after that game. She like goes in the press conference she's like yeah they did not deserve to be number 16 seed they deserve to be higher and that is just like speaking so much about her as a coach and a person just have so much respect for your opponent and I think I'm pretty sure she went and talked talked to the Norfolk State yeah, players afterwards which is just so cool for me to see I love her I as much as I want to see UConn take them down like <laughs> I, I just can't help but adore Dawn Staley she's a really great coach and and that that alter that uh, conversation afterwards uh, with her and the players is really cool because you have to think like if you go to Norfolk State, like of course they're, I'm sure their basketball team is really good. But to be able to meet and get some motivation from someone like Don Staley, like that is, she, I feel like Don Don Staley knew that that moment would mean so much to that team, and for her to like carry it out is just really cool. I I think you have to assume that South Carolina is going to the Final Four. Mm-hmm. I'd love to get the South Carolina Maryland matchup in the Elite Eight, but it's we're seeing upsets. This is a team that hasn't lost all year. It feels like they're bound for the championship. Again, I think we'll see some really good matchups down the line that will put them to the test. I'm not sure they're ever going to have a back-to-back-to-back as tough as they would have to play if they want to get to the championship. But this feels like this is the team of destiny. I I can't see them not getting at least to the Final Four. Yeah, and and I mean, uh, UCLA is is nothing nothing to scoff at either because they, I mean, they've kind of cruised their way to this point, um, I mean, they were upset in the Pac-12 tournament. Not great. But so far in the NCAA tournament, they took care of Sacramento State, won by nine against Oklahoma. So, I mean, they have they've built back up that momentum. So it won't be a cakewalk, I don't think, for, for South Carolina. Um, but I do, I do have South Carolina winning. I think they're going to be upset at some point. That's my hot take. But I, it will not be against UCLA. But moving on. Uh, this is the one I think uh, is really exciting, uh, and that's Maryland and Notre Dame. I know Lou got to see Maryland play, actually, as called a, a game for Maryland uh, when they played Fordham. So you're, I know you're pretty, pretty familiar with the team, at least early on. Um, and they will play Neil Ivey's Notre Dame. Uh, Taylor, we can hear from you first. What, uh, what are your overall thoughts, and who do you think is going to win the game? I think this is such an interesting matchup because I predicted Notre Dame to get out way before this. I was really, really worried about their in- the season-ending injuries. Like, Olivia Miles is just mm-hmm. not there. That's a huge part of their team. Right. But they've proven time and time again that they deserve to be in this tournament. I do think their luck is going to run out against Maryland. Maryland's just too strong of a team to beat right now. But, man, like, Notre Dame has definitely impressed me during this tournament, but my pick is still Maryland. You have to ride Maryland in my mind. I think Diamond Miller is such a, a matchup problem. Again, getting to watch her live is... And I don't even think she had her best game against Fordham. Mm-hmm. But I, Diamond Miller just kind of, she can do whatever she wants. And then Abby Myers was a, a Princeton transfer, so we actually got to see her last year too. And like she was a star in the Ivy League. I think she won the Ivy League Player of the Year. Like She is a special talent. She's come over. She's been huge for them. Cheyenne Sellers, Brianna Alexander, Lavender Briggs. Like There's just so much talent in this Maryland lineup that, again, I feel like this is going to be if they can go and play South Carolina, I think that's a really good matchup. I think mm-hmm. that game's going to be a lot closer than people might initially think. Like, I know I just said that South Carolina could get to the Final Four, but like, 
it was not out of this world that Maryland could knock them off. I think they get by Notre Dame. I want to see that matchup now, Lou. I really yeah. do now. <laughs> Looking at the Notre Dame-Maryland game, I'm so conflicted because, like, Maryland has Diamond Miller. We've seen Maryland be so good. Like, they're they're so good at, like, just, like, as a team. Um, but Notre Dame, like, they've had such a tough schedule. Like, they, they not to say that Maryland hasn't, but, you know, looking at Notre Dame's schedule, like, they've they've had to play, I mean, Notre Dame and Maryland actually have already played the season. Uh, Maryland won by two. Um, but Notre Dame has beaten UConn. Like, they've played the four, fourth team in the country. Like, they looking at the schedule, they've played a lot of ranked teams. So I, I love that just typically in NCAA kind of tournaments, like already having played, like knowing what the that level of competition looks like. Because I think that's what a lot of, you know, like eight, nine, ten plus seeds kind of struggle with is like those are usually like mid-major teams um, who have either won their conference or were really good. Um, there's just a think there's just a different level of competition that is not fun to have that realization when it's win or go home. Um, so I, I usually love teams that have been exposed to that before, and both of these teams have. They're both in Power Five conferences, but I am actually going to go with Notre Dame here because Ooh. I I think coaching is what I'm. Like, I think they're evenly matched up, but. Neil Ivy is so I mean I am a little biased because she was one of the first women's coaches in the NBA for the Memphis Grizzlies and left that assistant coaching position to go to Notre Dame and she's done a great job so I I have a Notre Dame upset here but I am fully aware that that would be an upset pick and I would not be surprised to see Maryland pull it out but moving on moving on here uh Miami nine seed Miami coming off of you know obviously what we talked about a huge huge win playing Maddie Segrist Villanova Oh, <laughs> I want to see Miami win this so bad. I'm not a Nova fan by any means, but I feel like it's going to be Villanova. I, honestly, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I'm a little biased in that pick because I think Maddie Segrist is just incredible. When I heard that she scored 1,000 points in one season, that just blew my mind. I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure she scored 50 points in a game this season too, which is like absolutely mind-boggling to me. So I feel like with the sheer power of her, I feel like Nova can win this, but – if Miami really, if Miami plays a scrappy game, if they have that same level of like defense that they had against Indiana, I think they can pull this one off. But my gut's telling me Nova, but my heart's telling me Miami. Miami's playing really well. They also didn't shut down Mackenzie Holmes of Indiana, so I, I have a hard time thinking that they're going to be able to shut down Maddie Zegers. And again, that's another person that that's a matchup problem. She can kind of score at will, so I kind of lean Nova here. Gotcha. Yeah, I I am leaning heavy. Villanova, I'm I'm big on players on teams that have one huge player, and I think that's worked really well for um, this year in particular. Like we see Caitlin Clark obviously thriving. We'll get to her in, in a second, and then Maddie Segrist is just like the coolest person on the court. Like her and her and Caitlin Clark are like almost even to me. Um, but yeah, I have Villanova. We're gonna kind of rapid fire the next one so we can get into our next topic because we're running we're lo- running a little low on time. We both have we all have a lot to say about women's basketball, but we're gonna we're gonna kind of rapid fire these last few. Um, Utah and LSU. I have LSU because Kim Mulkey, as as much as I think she is low key a psychopath, she she I mean what she does works and it worked yeah. when she coached at Baylor. It's working now. I have LSU upsetting Utah. 
I'm so heavily biased for LSU because I just cannot stop watching this team. I'm a massive Angel Reese fan. <laughs> I adore Flage. Oh, I yeah. love Flage. I've been listening to her music this entire month. I think she is so She's good. A good this is just a very heavily biased pick for me. I feel like LSU, though, has just been electric this year. I think they can definitely upset Utah, but... Yeah, everyone goes stream Flaugé's music on Spotify. <laughs> it is so good. You're missing out if you haven't listened to it. I'm going LSU, but I, I do think that whoever wins this game wins the region with Indiana yeah. going down. This feels like Utah and LSU, both very good teams. I don't see anyone, I don't see Miami or anyone else like that stopping them. Gotcha. And then in Louisville and Ole Miss, this is a this is an interesting five versus eight matchup. You don't usually see that in the Sweet 16, but here we are. Uh, I I have Ole Miss still riding the, riding the wave of beating... Um, beating South Carolina or Stanford last week. Uh, I get those two confused all the time. Stanford last week. I I have them. I have them making a run, and that's definitely uh, a hot take. Yeah, I picked Ole Miss too. <laughs> I, you I know, I think they've just been looking so so good. I think this team with their mentality, their ferocity. I don't think I don't think Louisville can stop them. I think this is where. But I think Louisville is definitely going to put up a fight. But I think their journey is going to end here. Yep. I'll, I'll go the other way. I'll go Louisville. Like it. Um, Oh, this is my favorite. Iowa and Colorado. um, I'll I'll just be very simple with this. Iowa's winning and Caitlin Clark is going to score 40 points. Iowa's winning and my bracket's going to stay intact because I have them winning the whole thing. And if they get out here, I might just go and cry in my room for like four weeks straight. Clean sleep. I'll go Iowa. Again, with Stanford going out, this is another team where I feel like this is now Iowa's region to lose. And you kind of look at who else is in that region where it's Louisville and Ole Miss on the other side and you're playing Colorado. This feels like Iowa all of a sudden has this really clean path. Yep. And then lastly, UConn and Ohio State. Listen, it's this is a two three matchup, but this is this might as well be like a one eight matchup, honestly. I think UConn is gonna take this and take it easily. UConn. UConn please. UConn, I, love Gina. The only reason why I don't have UConn winning the whole thing is because I know they don't have a full roster, but I think they're really going to, I'm going to, I think they're going to make a pretty far run. Like in my wildest dreams, we would have an Iowa-UConn matchup for the final, but I don't know. But um, I have UConn winning this one and I'm also very anti-Ohio State, so this is yet another biased pick. <laughs> but I think UConn, uh, in a more serious manner, they just have a stronger lineup and I think they're going to look pretty and be- sweet. And before we move on, Actually, no, we're going to save that when it gets – I was going to say championship picks. We'll, we'll be back. We'll be back with that when it gets closer to championship time. we got a whole other week. Yeah, exactly. This is not a one-time thing. We, this is a weekly podcast. We can get to that later. Um, okay, so moving to quickly the finalists, Maddie Segrist, Caitlin Clark, Aaliyah Boston, and, and Elizabeth Kitley. They are all incredible. I'll just run through their stats real quick. Maddie Segrist, I think we've all heard about the stretch of game she's had is absolutely incredible. She leads the NCAA in scoring by two. And uh, Keishana Washington, who Fordham just played uh, a couple games ago, is in second. So that's really cool. We got to see her play in person, and she dropped, uh, broke the record on scoring against Fordham. So that was uh, not that much of a surprise. But she was incredible. Oh, she was great. Um, and she has the most field. Or Maddie Segrist has the most field goals in the NCAA as well. So really, just a pure score. Uh, Caitlin Clark, everyone knows who that is. Third in scoring, second most triple doubles ever, and leads tri- leads triple doubles this season with four. Another A10 fact: the next closest, uh, the next four leaders are in the A10. So that's another cool, another cool little fact. Uh, Aaliyah Boston averaging nearly a double double on the best team in the country: 13.1 points per game, 9.7 rebounds per game, and then Elizabeth Kitley on Virginia Tech, 
she is averaging a double double 18.2 <laughs> and 10.8 74 blocks this season 13th in the NAA, ncaa and 10th in the ncaa and rebound so i feel like this was the four to pick i i mean maybe like if az fudd didn't get injured i would would not be surprised to see her on this list but that is who are the finalists and i think it could go in a lot of different ways but i'll hear from you guys first you know who do you think comes out with the win in this in this category at least this is so hard for me because they're, four <laughs> they're all such good. incredible players. But my gut, my initial gut reaction is based on this season, Caitlin Clark, based on the career, Alea Boston. Mm-hmm. My, I'm leaning towards Clark. I know like I've like been like hyping her up this entire episode, but I feel like personally just like you've heard so much about her this entire season. Right. You've heard about Boston too, but I feel like Clark has just made like she's just really just dropping dimes. I think it's her award to lose and I really am hoping she takes it home. For me, it's coming down to Segrist and Clark. I think it kind of depends on you know what you value. Segrist has the the advantage in scoring twenty nine points per game, also nine rebounds per game. Clark's more balanced, where it's twenty seven, seven and a half rebounds, eight assists per game. So it feels like the more complete there, player there. I think I think I'm leading Segrist. I like the scorers. I like the dominant ones that can take over. But it's not like all she's doing is scoring. She's impacting other parts of the game. So I'll go Segrist. I agree with the point about um, Seagrass does a lot, but Caitlin Clark does. I mean, second most triple doubles. Twenty-seven ever. points is is not per game is nothing to to knock. It's a very close yeah. comp, I think. And Caitlin Clark really does it all on all three main categories: assists, rebounds. I mean, that's how you obviously get triple doubles. So the fact she's been able to do that four times this season, and then also second to Serena Unescu, who which that record I'll say it now that record's never getting broken. Um, but I, I'm leaning Caitlin Clark here, um, a little biased cause she's my favorite player by a million miles. Um, but I also just think she's the best of this list. Um, I, I really appreciate how all four players are on good teams. I think that's really important. Like having the best player on the best team and not just like a scoring machine. Like we see like with Keyshawn Washington, she's, you know, an incredible scorer, but if Drexel is not good, you know, I feel like that should be weighted heavily. And I'm glad to see that that, that sentiment is shared by the people who decide this for us. So I'm going Caitlin Clark, but I think it'll be close between her and Segrist. Um, and if not, Aaliyah Boston, just based off the career. It could I, I also like how there's not a clear, clear winner. But to wrap, before we wrap up, we're going to quickly talk about Fordham women's basketball. Their season officially wrapped up against Columbia. Uh, they lost that game 78 to 73. Um, it was very cool to be there because, you know, heading into the game, it seemed like everyone was like, OK, well, Columbia is just going to like take this easily and just move on to the next round. But that was not the case at all. Like to say it like to say this game was like a nail biter is an understatement. It, it felt like there were so many different points where Fordham was going to win. And then, I mean, obviously that's not how it turned out, but. The fact Fordham was in it for so long and honestly could have won this game speaks so highly to to the season they've had this year and and just the, the, the a much better send off for the graduating seniors and uh, graduate students than I think the A10 was. Yeah, I think if the if there's one thing that this team just absolutely excels at is putting up a fight. They yeah. never go down like whimpering. They just. They put it all on the line until the very end. And we saw that with Anna DeWolf's buzzer beater against URI. Like, mm-hmm. we were all there. We talked about it the last time I was on the pod. It was just – there's just so much fight in this team. And, like, 
I'm just so glad that they were able to like end the season on like a higher note. Like I know it was just an absolute heartbreaker falling to Richmond, but I think they didn't give up. They went, they showed out in the NIT, like they had a tough matchup against Drexel and they still came up on top and like Columbia, like Columbia's like top 50 in the country. First, first team out of the NCAA women's tournament. So they were probably, I don't think NIT does like overall seedings. Um, they don't. It's all by yeah. region. So if there were actual rankings, I think Columbia would have been like the true one seed in this tournament. It's it's tough. Yeah, they they're definitely in the top three. Oregon's like nineteen in the net, and I think Kansas State is in it too, and they're like thirty something. But gotcha. you're talking about Columbia was like forty seventh in the net, easily one of the top teams in the NIT, and it's just kind of like the luck of the draw that you play them in the second round. But uh, first things first, right? It's like the you get the you feel like you get a proper send off. The loss against Richmond was so demoralizing because yeah. you're working your entire season for A-10s. You earn the double bye. The result of that is you only play one game, and that one game comes against a five seed, and a Richmond team that's really good, probably a tough matchup for us with their height and their size, and you lose that game, and it really feels like a gut punch to get one last shot at ending the year on a high note. You win a postseason game for the first time since 2018, and then you battle against, again, a really good Columbia team. And I think the biggest thing that stood out is felt like everyone had a good game. And honestly, I would say Fordham outplayed Columbia for 70, 75% of the game. Like, And, and just the words that, that kind of stayed with me at the end of that game was Candace Green came over and was like, man, that was fun. And it was. It was such a back-and-forth game. You felt like Fordham was right on the level with them, and that's one of the things you kept seeing from this team is when they went up against really good teams, whether it was UMass, whether it was URI, non-conference, whether it's Maryland or Princeton, you always felt like they were in those games. And... Yes, well, they had some ugly losses where you go, should have showed up and probably should have won that game. When it came down to the games that against the top teams that it felt like everyone outside of Fordham didn't think they were going to be in, Fordham showed up. And something else that I thought was really great about this game is that it was like, it felt like a very, like a culmination of what this team is for for the last game of the season. We saw 20-point games from Anna DeWolf and Asia Dingle, which is, you know, when you have the top two scores in the A-10, it was really cool to see that be how they go out and I know that they lost and it sucks to lose but I'm taking nothing but positives away from this because you know they were easily in it the whole game I mean they were up by like eight at one point like in the up third by quarter eight in the third quarter up yeah. by five with two and a half minutes left in the fourth you could actually make a case that if a shot goes in here or there or if the yeah. officiating calls go their way in those last couple of minutes I think there were a little problems with the officiating holding their whistle yep. on one side blowing them on the other that there's there's a chance that game goes a very different direction. Again, Fordham has the ball with a chance to take the lead with 20 seconds left. And like it ends up, you end up losing by five, but that game was truly a one point game for the last two minutes. And even the players who, like, you look at the stats sheet and you're like, okay, they didn't have a good game, like, dead. Like, Caitlin Downey had a good game. Like, you see the stats and you see one for seven and you're like, that's not good. But that one shot she made was to tie the game up with. What what was it like twenty seconds left something like that? Yep. Like the w- one shot she made and what would end up being like her I think either her last shot or second to last shot I don't re- can't remember if she shot a three as time was expiring she, she heaved like a half court yeah. shot but it was time so, was over just right. one last thing the, the her her effectively her last shot of her collegiate clear, career was tying the game and I think I think that's really cool so even outside of like Anna DeWolf Asia Dingle like Jada DePaul had a great game like Clutch. did did what she usually does did every player did the best of what they do and i think that's what you needed to compete with columbia and that's exactly what we did 
in a lot of ways, I think it, it was the perfect send-off, right? We don't know if we're ever going to see... We know for a fact we're not going to see Caitlin Downey or Jada Pa or Asia Dingle again. Mm-hmm. We don't know if it's the last time we're going to see Anna DeWolf and Sarah Carpell. But, like, we had one last game of Anna DeWolf being maybe the best basketball player we've ever got to personally watch. And, and hitting Car- shots that she was outside of her mind. And Sarah Carpell had evolving... Had best in- game... Well, not maybe not her best game, but really came up so big. And you don't usually... I mean... That is just a testament to how this team played. Jada DePaul, like, Jada DePaul put up 16 points, and that's what you got from her stepping up for Meg Johnson throughout the course of this year. Like, you got the final send-offs for a lot of these players. That's like, this was just such a, a better feeling than the loss to Richmond. And I think it says a lot about the coaching staff that they were able to get this team to buy back in after a demoralizing loss where you kind of feel like your career is over. And it's like, hey, we got one last shot to make something happen. You win a postseason game. And then you battle with a, a really good Columbia yep. team. So, I, like, I think you come away feeling like this is one of the most talented Fordham women's basketball teams you've ever gotten to watch. I couldn't agree more. Well, Fordham women's basketball will be back next season, probably looking quite a bit different. There's still a lot of unknowns there, but it'll be really interesting to keep up with, really exciting to watch as they, as they enter their next era. But that is going to do it for All In this week. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Until next time, All In is a production of WFUV Sports.